morning, church family. You know, some some weeks are just tough weeks. That's that's how life is, and um, it's been a tough week for our church family. And um, you know, there are just people we need to pray for. There's families that are sick, but we had uh, two this past week uh, go to be with the Lord, and. Um, there's always rejoicing, right? Don't get me wrong. There's always rejoicing when we celebrate the homegoing of a believer. And that's what it should be. But there's grief. And the Bible tells us there's grief. The difference is that we grieve with hope, not without hope. And so um, I would just want to ask you to, to pray for uh, Vivian Mitchell. Uh, her husband, Jay, went to be with the Lord this past week. And um, they have two children, uh, Rob and Bethany. And we want to pray for Rob and Bethany Mitchell. And it's very, very important that as a church family, you know, we weep with those who weep. We rejoice with those who rejoice. And um, so we want to pray for Vivian. Also, we want to pray for Norman Lee. Um, Miss Peggy went to be with the Lord yesterday, and um, I was with the family yesterday, and and um, you know they're they're doing well, um, but we certainly want to pray for them in this time of grief. Uh, pray for Shauna, uh, their daughter, her husband Brian, and their uh, their children, uh, who are part of our family as well. We want to pray for Garrett. We want to pray for Sarah. And uh, her husband, Trey, uh, Shay, and, and Michael, who come here to, to Grace. We want to pray for Shay and Michael. And then for Kylie, uh, Brian, and um, Shauna's youngest. And her husband, Tyler, who's in the military. And he's, I believe he's actually being able to come home um, back here. So just want to pray for those families. It's very important that we uh, do that. And I just want to commend you guys as well for your ministry to these families. I know that internally there are several people have been ministering to these folks, and, and that is just not overlooked. Um, people acknowledge, and, you know, we don't always have to say anything. Uh, we can just hug these people and let them know we love them. So I just encourage you uh, to do that. And at the end of the day, for the believer, the message is hope. It's hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. I wanted to make mention of um, a couple of things this morning. First of all, that we've had to adjust for the calendar. Um, we were going to do baptism this month in November, but we're going to have to move that to January for several reasons, of which I will uh, not let you know because it just bore you to death. But um, we're having to move that to January. So those of you who... Uh, again, desire to be baptized, we, we will do that in the month of January. And I will let you know a specific date when I know a specific date, okay? I also wanted to make you aware of our sermon series. It's taken us a while to get through the first part of First John. Um, we're actually through the first part of First John, if you did not know that. Um, there are, from what I can see, three major parts in First John. And we want to start that second part 
Um, because I did a lot with elders in that series, um, it, I won't say it messed up my calendar, but it changed my calendar because we have the holiday season coming up. And so I've already got something in mind for Thanksgiving. I'm going to do a series on um, having an attitude of gratefulness and then um, do a series on um, the birth of the Lord. And so uh, we will return to First John after um, today. We'll return to it in January and begin the second section. And what's great about that is I'll be able to finish that second section before missions conference. So we'll just be one of those churches that it took us two years to get through First John with a different uh, kind of trail. But I think that there are a lot of things there we don't want to miss, and I want to have consecutive Sundays that I'm able to refer back. So I trust you'll be patient with me about that, and the Lord already gave me sermon series about these other things. So um, today is uh, Persecuted Church Sunday, where we remember those around the world who uh, are being persecuted for the sake of the gospel. You know, we sit in a pretty comfortable building. Uh, chairs are comfortable if you sit in them a while. And uh, you mark your territory, so to speak. Um, but um, we don't do church here in the United States the way some around the world do church. Um, we are very blessed to be able to sit here in comfort, which it's comfortable, and to be able to worship the Lord without any burden of persecution. Now, I will say this. I don't know how long that's going to last here in the United States. Um, I think it's rapidly approaching a time. Um, I, I have a couple of thoughts. I don't know that you'll care about these thoughts, but I believe the Lord's bringing his church home a little bit at a time for such a time as is about to come because we know what's coming. Now, the Bible tells us we've been spared from the wrath to come, but that doesn't mean there won't be any wrath. <laughs> and so we understand the wrath as it relates to Revelation, but... I believe the church around the world is already being persecuted, and it can very well be that the United States will be in times of persecution that we're not even fully aware of right at this moment. So um, we want to remember those around the world that are uh, suffering for the sake of the gospel. And I've always been encouraged by this little section of Scripture, and I wanted to read uh, this section before we have a word of prayer. And I'd like you to Take your Bibles and go to Acts chapter 7. I just want to read just a few verses that relate to what we have as the first martyr in the New Testament. Um, Stephen is uh, part of the church, the first martyr. And I wanted to um, just remind you of a couple of things in this passage. If you don't mind... Uh, you could stand as we read um, verse, we'll begin in verse 52. Uh, this is a sermon that um, is preached by Stephen as he is defending himself. And in verse 52, we'll pick up there and look what it says. Which one of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? They killed those who had previously announced the coming of the righteous one, whose betrayers and murderers you have now become. You who received the law as ordained by angels and yet did not keep it. 
Now, when they heard this, and obviously it was the entirety of Stephen's message, they were cut to the quick, and they began gnashing their teeth at him. Great response. Great sermon, right? Wow, imagine. Hey, listen to me. Recently, um, I had the opportunity to share the gospel with someone, and they were very upset with me. So these things are not, you know, they're, they're in our own backyard. Um, when they heard this, they were cut to the quick, and they began gnashing their teeth at him. But being full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God. Wow. <laughs> and Jesus standing at the right hand of God, which is a position of victory. Okay, so you need to, that's just a biblical truth that you need to understand. So he's standing, Jesus is at the right hand of God. Now imagine all this going on. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. So twice in two verses, Jesus Christ is standing in victory. But they cried out with a loud voice and covered their ears and rushed at him with one impulse. When they had driven him out of the city, they began stoning him. And the witnesses laid aside their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And stoning was a process from smaller to larger. It, it wasn't just an in-quick persecution. The Bible says they went on stoning Stephen. Look at this. As he called on the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. This reminds you of other passages of scripture as it relates to our Lord. And then falling on his knees... He cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Again, we think about the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. And having said this, he fell asleep. You know, when I see this uh, passage, I always it, it's just a picture of, of the mercy of the Lord, of his love for those that belong to him. Meaning this, you and I do not know, standing here today, we do not know how the Lord is going to call us home. We do not know that. That can come in any form, and it can come at any time. The question becomes, what will we be like when it's our turn? And we're going to talk a little bit more about that this morning as we bridge the gap between the first and second sessions in First John. So I just wanted to encourage you with that. We need to pray for our brothers and sisters around the world, persecuted church uh, today. And we don't need, need to pay, pray for them today. It needs to be consistent. I know we have a group of ladies that once a month, they come up here, I think it's the last Monday of the month. Shake your head, Linda, that's right. Hey, I got that right. Last Monday of the month, and they meet here in the mornings at, 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock, and they would love for you to join them and um, to pray for those around the world that are suffering, and so why don't we, uh, with all that in mind, let's go to the Lord in prayer uh, this morning. Father, as a church body, our hearts are heavy today. 
for families in our church. For the Mitchell family and the Lee family. Father, um, I personally witnessed you ministering to several families in the last couple of years who have had loved ones go to be with you. Lord, you are so faithful. One of the common um, messages from each of the families has been not only about your um, love for them and your comfort that you provide, um, which is really past finding out unless we are going through the moment. But each one of these has talked about uh, the body of Christ. And just, Lord, I just want to thank you for the body of Christ. I thank you that we are a family and that, um, Lord, our arms extend to those within our family uh, when they're hurting and um, even when they're rejoicing. We, we, we do both of those. But we just want to acknowledge, Lord, uh, this morning that, uh, Father, you are the one that can bring comfort and you're the one that can bring peace. Um, I know with Peggy on Wednesday, I had an opportunity to talk with her for a few moments. And, and she just had peace. And that peace, Lord, it came from you. And, and we acknowledge that. And so we just want to pray for these families that you would minister to them and that you would show us how we can continue to minister to these families. Because it's not just this moment they need that. It's all the moments ahead. So we just pray that your spirit would lead us and guide us. This morning, Father, we remember the persecuted church around the world. We, we don't know all these individuals personally, but you do. And you know where they are and what they're going through and what they're being asked to go through. Uh, and we look at the illustration of Stephen in the early church, and we just see your mercy, and we see your loving kindness and compassion, even in the midst of this awful persecution, awful stoning that he went through. Heaven opened up, and he saw the Lord Jesus. Uh, wow. And one day, Father, we are going to see our Savior face to face in all his glory. I pray that we are ready for that. And I pray that as we consider the message this morning even more, I think it will bring to us a little more importance on living every day for your glory. And so we just commit the service to you this morning, Father, and all these things we pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Uh, there was one other day that we kind of forgot, sandwiched in fall festival and Halloween and all those other very important <laughs> holidays, you know, uh, is Reformation Day. We, forgot, we kind of let that slip by. And I was going through Facebook the other day, and somebody had posted something I thought was really cool. It was a picture of Martin Luther. It said, nailed it, you know. And uh, so, um, and, and, and 
he did, he did, he's helped us along. But how, how better can we start a worship service all by singing that great hymn that he wrote, A Mighty Fortress Is Our God. Let's all sing together, maybe. Let's sing it.
Well, I need to come up with something so they can get back in here. How long does it take y'all to run down the hall and get back? Well, I can make an announcement if you're college age uh, in the college and career. We're having kind of like a Thanksgiving feast tonight at uh, B and Holly's house at 6 o'clock. And I plan on feasting, and I hope that you do as well. It's good for me to feast. It's good for you to feast. It's, all good. it's good for all God's children to feast. This is one of my favorite times of year because you can get green beans with stuff in it. And sometimes you just open that can of green beans and it's like that's all there is. And uh, this time of year you get all that, that, that tomato stuff that they throw in there. It's hot, but it's good. And then you get those crispy onion straws. Don't make them. If they're not crispy, they're not good. Crispy onion straws. Wonderful. All right. Well, I need you to go in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 2. And verse 28 is the bridge between these sections. How many of you are familiar with the Atchafalaya Basin Bridge? It's long. It is the third longest bridge in the United States. If you've never crossed that bridge, you will... uh, If you ever get the opportunity to cross that bridge, you will not forget it. It is amazing. And even you can, when you're in the state of Louisiana, appreciate the God of all creation. Because it is beautiful. It's just a different kind of beauty. Um, How many of you have been to the Golden Gate Bridge? Wow, quite a few more hands. That is one impressive bridge. I've been there a couple of times, and it's absolutely amazing. Now, the Bay Bridge to Oakland isn't bad either, but when you compare it to um, the Golden Gate Bridge, well, there's, it's just, I mean, how do you compare the two? So this might seem a little odd to you, but I was like, as I was studying, I'm like, you know, bridges. Started thinking about those bridges and how impressive they were and and I started thinking about 1 John 2.28, and I'm like, this is a bridge. This is a bridge from one section to the next. And it may be one of the most impressive bridges in all the Bible to consider. I would say for all of us this morning that every single thing mentioned in verse 28 of 1 John 2 is essential For us to not only understand and grasp, but apply. Did you know that every single believer is going to come face to face with the Lord Jesus Christ? How will that be for you? You ever thought about that? How will that be for me? It is possible, as we're going to see in this verse, that when we come face to face with the Lord Jesus, we may be ashamed. Now, who wants to talk about that this morning? I'm quite certain that John's readers may have thought the same. But there is a 
track through 1 John of the importance of abiding in the Lord Jesus. Abiding in Him. It is a term that has everything to do with fellowship. Not salvation. At no time is a believer called to abide in Him for salvation. That's not the right language. John in um, 15 where the Lord Jesus is talking to those who belong to him, the disciples, what does he say to them? Abide in me. They already knew him relationally. He's talking about their daily fellowship with the Lord. Not only did John know that he would face the Lord one day, but he knew his readers would. And all of us who are in this room that know the Lord will face him one day. And what's presented in verse 28 is just, in some ways, some might say, very alarming, very troubling. But nevertheless, it's true. And did you know also, if there are some of you in here who have rejected Jesus Christ and continue to reject Jesus Christ, One day you will meet the Lord Jesus Christ as well. And did you know our Bible tells us that every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. Everyone will see the Lord Jesus. What will be your condition? If you're in Christ, your position's good. You're going to be with him, and the Bible tells us we're going to be with him forever. But what about the condition? That is one, if you were to take a survey of most congregations and ask them the question, would you like to hear a sermon about this, they would say no. Because, let's be honest... One of the things that we battle on a regular basis is living for ourselves or living for the Lord. True? True. And there's no getting around it. You you just can't do anything about it. You're going to see the Lord face to face. And the Bible says to us that as Christians, while we will not be judged to condemnation, we will be judged For things done in the body, whether good or evil. Evil? Good or evil. You say, Thad, does that have to do with my salvation? No. Because at the Bema seat, the Bema seat judgment is for the believer. For those who positionally are correct. Who are in Christ. But the Bema seat judgment is about our life of sanctification. It is about those things done in the body, whether good or bad. And it is a day, the judgment seat of the Lord Jesus Christ, a day which all of us who are in Christ will face. How will you face the Lord? Will it be in confidence or shame? I mean, how many people have ever asked you that question? Just curious. I was sitting in my office this week thinking, how many people have you ever asked that? Anybody? That's just not a question that you run across, but unless you just skip over verse 28, you have to deal with it. 
But I've never been good at skipping verses. Um, so we want to deal with it. I've entitled this morning's message, Facing the Lord. I don't know. I mean, I think if you go to 1 John 3, I mean, he says, you know, in verse 2, we're going to see him face to face. So he has this language about the believer being in the midst of the Lord. And while all of us who are in Christ go, I can't wait to see the Lord, I might want to pause and ask myself the question, am I ready to see the Lord? How do I tell you what I've been through in the last two weeks just in this verse? I don't know if I can do that well. I can just say this. It has made me think and think and think and think and think about my life, not yours, my life as a Christian. That it counts. It matters. So when you read about a man named Stephen, you go, whoa. Here's a guy. Faced persecution. Went the full route. Came out the other side face-to-face with the Lord. He sure seemed to me like a man who ended his life well, even though none of us would want the same kind of death he had. So it is important, I believe, based on verse 28, for us to think about how we will face the Lord, because we will face Him. And I think it's important that we consider what John says here for our own lives. And I mean from me first to you, okay? So this is not just about you, it's about me first. This is what he says, Now little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, and he will. (laughs) Because we talk about that, we love talking about that, we love singing about that. When he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed or shrink away is the actual phrasing there. We may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Let's pray. Lord, um... You know my heart and mind today. I I just believe this might be a verse that, for me, uh, I haven't considered as much as I need to. And maybe there's one or two others that haven't as well today. I pray that it would be, uh, Lord, just an eye-opener as to what you expect of those belonging to you. And all this I pray in the name of Christ. Amen. So I've broken down this verse. I've actually given it three points, believe it or not. Uh-oh. First one is John's children. So John affectionately refers to them as his little children eight times in this letter. Um, and there are some things here, and these are kind of introductory thoughts, even though it's point one. But these are simple introductory thoughts to that phrase, little children which is the term technion in the Greek. 
um, there's a difference. Remember, in this letter, there are two words for children. You have paideon, which means learner, and you have technion, which means born ones, those belonging to the Lord. And so one of the, one of the things we need to take away from the word technion as John's addressing them He's emphasizing the relationship that they have to the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, just using that term, he's saying, they're born again. You born again today? Sleepers. Do we need to stand up and do some calisthenics? They were born again. Are you born again? Do you know that for sure? That does matter. Jesus in John chapter 14 speaks about the disciples' relationship to the Father. And he introduces them to a a concept that all of us understand. That the only way to the Father is through the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. There are not many ways to the Father, no matter what the language of the world. Remember, Jesus in the upper room said to those already believing. I love the way Scripture does that. Paul does that in his writings. These are already believing churches he's writing to, believing people, and he's talking to them about the gospel. Jesus says to his believing disciples, I am the way and the truth. And the life, no one, no one comes to the Father but by me. You believe that? No one. So all these false gospels out there in our world today are just that. They're false. There is only one way to the Father, and that is through Jesus Christ. And every single person throughout the centuries, who have rejected Jesus Christ are going to come face to face with him at the great white throne judgment, a different judgment than the Bema seat. And for those people, their destiny is the lake of fire. That's just what the Bible says. So as I looked at this, I thought, well, how blessed were these recipients? Very blessed. He addresses them as born ones. They have a relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ. Do you? Also, addressing them as little children points to John's affection for them, which makes sense. John was called the what? Class? The beloved disciple. Jesus had an inner circle, Peter, James, and John. He had one who was called the beloved disciple, and that was John. John loved the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus loved John. Who's at the foot of the cross receiving instructions about the mother of Jesus. John. When I think of John, just in reading his 
his letters, I think this is a man who loved the Lord and loved others. That's good stuff. So we have to ask the question, are we those kind of people? Do we love the Lord and love others? That matters. That matters when we come face to face. That matters. He loved these believers. And the third simple point is addressing them as little children suggests their need to depend upon the Father. Listen, John didn't want these people dependent on him. He wanted them dependent upon their heavenly Father. And when, think, when people think about uh, needs, typically people are in the category of physical needs and emotional needs. Okay? Nothing wrong with that. The Lord knows our physical needs, correct? He takes care of the sparrows. What's he going to do with us? I mean, right? We're made in his image. Hello, he's taking care of us, Matthew. Well, those are real issues in life. Physical needs, emotional needs. But you know the primary need of the believer? Spiritual. So I think when John refers to them as little children, he's suggesting, hey, look, you have a heavenly father. Be dependent on him for your spiritual needs because you have them you know how when children grow up they they have a little confusion that takes place did you know children have confusion when they grow up and that one of their big confusions is between wants and needs you remember those days when you were a child? I want, want, want. I deserve even these days. I'm talking about you deserve. But then there's needs. Spiritual needs. We have spiritual needs as believers. We need to teach our children about their spiritual needs. Yes, we do. Yes, we do, do, do. They already are in a world that says, hey, give me everything and I deserve it all. What do they need to hear from their parents? Hey, look, God provides for us, right? All these physical needs we have. He's the, the, the God who provides. But he's the God, listen to me, he's the God, young people, that can change your life. You can go from having no purpose and meaning in life to having one purpose, and that is to glorify the Lord. You say, well, yeah, but that's, that's what an exchange. It's a wonderful exchange. Because did you know, young person, everything that this world offers is going to burn up. It's going to burn up. So all these people holding on to, oh, I got this, and I got that, and I'm planning for this, and I'm planning for that. It's going away. And when you die, you're not taking anything with you. Nothing. So, as I read through that word, I thought I'd give you those things to think about as it relates to John's address of them as little children. Second part of this verse is about John's command. <laughs> I wonder... I've always wondered, how were those apostles when they were writing? Like, 
I know they were moved along by the Spirit. I, I get all that. But it's not devoid of their individual personalities. Okay, we know that. And so they're different. Like when you read the gospel, for example, uh, Mark is just a runaway. Man, it's just like, it's like a film in fast motion. Well, Luke, he didn't like that. Luke's one of those guys that camps on things. And he's detail-oriented. So every one of these guys brings something to the table that's different in terms of their personality. Well, one of the things in their writings that's common are commands. That's hard. That's hard stuff. Right? I think one of the only ways we can relate to that, giving someone a command, is in the home. And some wouldn't even like using the word command. I understand all that. We live in one of those dictionary ages. You better look up everything. Well, the reality is that when my father told me, Thad, do this, he did not give me another sheet of paper with an out clause. He just said, do it. Guess what I did? I did it. And he meant do it now, not later. He didn't, I, didn't, I never said to If I did, I, it, it would have been the only time. I can't remember saying to my dad, I need five minutes. I think he would have said, I'll give you five minutes. You remember those days? It was a command, and and you just did it. You did it out of respect and fear. (laughs) Fear. You know, just as a side note, but don't see a lot of fear today in children. You say, that we don't want them to be scared. I didn't say scared. There's a difference. I had a healthy fear of my father. When my father said to me, Thad, if you do that, you're going to get spanked. I didn't go, well, gee, I don't know if dad really means that. <laughs> he never said to me, go to the corner. Corner? Go put your, why do you, I, I wouldn't know what, if he said that, go put yourself in the corner. I would have said, well, something's wrong with my dad. When he said do it, I just did it. Out of a healthy respect for and fear for my father. Young people, just as a side note, didn't know this was going to come up. You will be your children's friend. But that's not how they come to you. You get my meaning? I have three boys, and I love my boys. But I discipline my boys. And today, my boys are my friends. They're not just my boys. That's process. So sometimes commands just have this, I mean, like, make you kind of squiggly. So can you imagine if you're John or if you're Paul or one of those apostles and you're having to tell these Christians, hey, do this. I mean, let's, you know, sometimes we make this language so way up there that we, we, we just take out the human part of these guys and the human part of these believers, and, and they know what he's saying. He's not saying, if you want to do this, he's saying, you do it. Well, how are you receiving that? I think it depends on the attitude of the one writing and the one knowing, right? He knew these people. 
And he loved these people. And he tells them in the command, little children abide in him. The idea there is reside in him, remain in him. Okay? It, it's the issue of fellowship. It's sanctification language. It's language that we better be familiar with. Because we can be over here and positionally be correct before our God. And we are if we are in Christ because we are covered with his righteousness. But it also matters the way that we live our lives. Sanctification. How does my life look? And so John is encouraging his readers to abide in the Lord. It's the same language he heard. Jesus did not do anything different. He commanded his disciples, abide in me. (laughs) Okay. Abide in me. Remain in me. Reside in me. This is not salvation language. One is not saved by abiding. One is saved through what? Faith. These are two different words. So the idea here is that John wanted his readers to remain in the Lord Jesus, to reside in him. There are some some synonymous thoughts about this issue of abiding. A couple of examples. One in the Old Testament. This would be an example of what it means to abide, to fellowship. Remember in the Old Testament, the Bible tells us that Enoch did what? He walked with God. Okay? So you have that language over and over again in the Old Testament where you have different ones that walked with God, that fellowshiped with God. What does it mean to fellowship with the Lord? I mean, I can tell you, hey, look, it's important we fellowship with the Lord. To fellowship with the Lord is to walk in the light as he is in the light. It's to be overtaken. I like the word overtaken. Overtaken with his word, his truth, and being dependent on him moment by moment by moment. You say, that's impossible. Without the Spirit's help, it is. But it is possible to live our lives, think about this, to the glory of the Lord. I think we've been sold a bill of goods. Because this is what typically happens. Well, we're just wretched people. Yeah, we are. We know that. But we're wretched people covered with the righteousness of Christ. And he can use us because our position has changed. And we belong to the Lord. And we're dressed with his righteousness. And I can go out and I can represent him. And I can, be a, I can be salt and light to this lost and dying world. With the help of the Holy Spirit. So in the Old Testament, you have examples like Enoch who walked with God. In the New Testament, you have Paul's language. And it's synonymous. Walk by the Spirit. What's the option in Galatians 5? Well, if I'm not walking by the Spirit, I'm walking by the what? Flesh. You know what that's like? Anybody know what that's like? To walk by the flesh? Because here's the thing about 
walking with the Lord, walking by the Spirit, abiding in Christ. This is a volitional decision you make on a daily basis. Every single day, Thad Blunt wakes up, and I make a decision. I, make, I typically make the decision when I'm in my truck. I'm just being honest with you. That's what happens. Because the getting ready part, I mean, I, I breeze through that, and then I go out to my truck, and I sit in my truck, and the first thing I do with the help of the Lord, and I can't say it's every day because that would be a lie. But most days, it's, Lord, I need you today. I can't get through this day without you. I've got to have your spirit leading me and guiding me. Or this just isn't going to work. We don't live in a dependent society as adults. We're pretty self-sufficient. So when you think about the importance of right abiding, or you think about the importance of walking by the Spirit, you might get some objection with some people going, hey, I'm doing fine just like I am. But you know what? You're really not. Because in the Christian life, there's this thing. It's a picture of a slippery slope. And you can be on that slippery slope, and you might not even be aware of it. But maybe you are aware of it, and maybe you ignore what the Lord's saying to you. Is that possible? Possible. David sure was in a rough spot for 8 to 12 months in his life. And he had to have Nathan... Come to him. Say, look, we're human. Okay? The, 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 the sin nature, it's still there. We have this old man. Yes, we're new in Christ, but this old man can creep up. Has that ever creeped up the old man when you've been driving? Guilty. So when you think about this language here, what John is asking of his readers is that they would abide in the Lord. I like what one theologian wrote. He said, don't spend a moment of time, and he's talking about this issue of abiding, when you are not in fellowship with the Lord. Because we don't know when he will be made manifest. Meaning, when will he be revealed? When will he come? Oh, I'll be ready when he comes. We don't, but we don't know when he's coming. Well, that leads us to John's cause or his reason for giving them the command. That when he shall appear, and he will. Do you know what's interesting? In the original language, it's if he shall appear. <laughs> Which might cause somebody to go, ooh, I wonder if he's going to. He's going to appear. The issue is not if he's going to appear, but when he's going to appear. But he's going to appear. And we know that. We know that he is going to appear because the Bible tells us that he is going to appear. One of my favorite passages about this promise of appearance is given by the Lord Jesus to those belonging to him before his crucifixion. <laughs> Before his resurrection, if you're one of those disciples, you're like, Dave, what in the world? Because remember, they were anxious. And that's why he says in beginning of 14, do not let your heart be troubled. What were they troubled about? Well, he had just told them, I'm leaving, and where I'm going, you can't come. Not right now. 
if you're one of those guys, are you not doing like a timeout here? Peter did, didn't he? Hey, Lord. And we know what happened with Peter. The reality is that the Lord Jesus knew how to cure their anxiety. By the way, guys, just as a side note, the Lord can help all of us cure anxiety. He can do that. And I have my anxious moments. But if I'm abiding in him, that's your whole lot better. He says to his disciples, do not let your heart be troubled. Troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. We like that, don't we? Doesn't just say one. <laughs> many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would, not have, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. All of you. Remember, Judas is gone at this point. I'm preparing a place for you. You 11. And if I go and prepare a place for you, what is that next phrase? I will come again. I'm coming. Remember, they didn't understand the prophecy as it related to his own death. But I wonder, after his death and his resurrection, if one of the thoughts they immediately had was, hey, hold on a second. This guy ain't like anybody else. He said that as the Son of Man, he would be crucified and buried and alive in three days. Hey, you remember when we were in the upper room, he also said, whoo, man, that gives me chills. Because that's exactly what they had to be talking about. Because remember that interim time, I mean, my goodness, Christ had died. He was put in the tomb. Now what? Well, he rose again. The third day, the Bible says, according to the scriptures. And if you're those guys, right, and just before the ascension, I mean, you have to have thought about, wow, what he says is true. I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am there you may be also. Here's another one. Paul's, this is Paul's language. We love these verses. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven. This is the rapture. He's going to descend from heaven with a shout. I've, I've always wondered what that's going to be like. <laughs> I don't know. What's he going to... I have no idea. With the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. I know this is hard to, to hear. That means Brenda Seal is going to rise first. That means Jay Mitchell is going to rise first. That means Ken Cardin is going to rise first. That means Peggy Lee is going to rise first. That means Andy Eubanks is going to rise first. Woo! And listen... And then we who are alive, Paul was like, hey, it's going to be us. It's in our time. It wasn't in his time. Do we scratch through the promise? No, we don't scratch through the promise. We cling to the promise. Look at the end of that. We will always be with the Lord. That doesn't get any better than that. Always with the Lord. Well... Let's deal with that last part. 
in the verse. Notice what it says, 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. Now little children abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence. That seems like maybe a strange word, but it's not. I'll show it to you in a second. And not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. That when, when he shall appear, I'm sorry, that should be a capital H. Sorry, Lord. You're not like when pronouns are not capitalized, talking about the Lord. That's a side note. That when he shall appear, we may have confidence. What in the world does that mean? What's that word? I mean, we think of confidence a lot of times, what do we think about? Almost, it's almost a crossover to arrogance. We think, yeah, me, me. It, that's not the idea at all. So that's why it's important to study the terms. The word confidence refers to a complete freedom in speaking. <laughs> Any of you ever get that from that? No, you wouldn't. You have to study the original. It's, it's this idea of when I see his face, I want to speak to him. I'll never forget. I was thinking about, I was like, Lord, I need illustrations. I'm awful at illustrations. They used to make us do files of illustrations in college. I didn't like none of them. I have to pray, Lord, please give me some. Well, this week I was thinking about seeing the Lord face-to-face, and I thought, well, I haven't seen him face-to-face yet, but I know people who couldn't wait to see someone face-to-face. My mom, what a precious woman. By the way, the dead in Christ, she's going to rise first. Years ago, we had Steve Saint come to the church, Spring Forest. And I told mom, I said, hey, mom, Steve Saint's going to be at our missions conference this year. Steve Saint? I mean, I, 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 mean, I thought she was going to just come over the table. I said, Steve Saint? She's like, Steve Saint? I was like, Steve Saint, mom. He's going to be your church? He's going to be at. How did you get Steve Saint? Well, it's not me, mom. I said, but he's going to be at our church. I thought, I have to come. I said, all right. Because she knew the whole story of Nate Saint and those, those men that were, that were slaughtered for their faith. And she knew all of the forgiveness that took place in that tribe. But she knew the whole story. And she said, that I have to see. I said, okay. We can make that happen, Mom. And you can even stay with us. And so she came and she stayed with us. And she met Steve Saint. And for her, it was like a rock star. She just enjoyed the fellowship that she had with him. And this is a side note, but Steve Saint, when my mom was dying of cancer, he happened to be in town. And it was about a week or so before my mom went to be with the Lord. He came to the house. She couldn't wait to see that man. Hey, these are earthly people. We get to see face-to-face the Lord, and we want to be ready to talk with him, don't we? So I thought, man, this is really good motivation to abide in him. Because if we're not abiding in the Lord, we're going to shrink away. You know what it's like to shrink away, don't you? 
Sure you do. It's when you were a kid and you put your, this, for the young people, they're not going to get this analogy, analogy, but you're right. There's that cookie jar, and your mom said, stay away from that jar. And you, yes, mom, and then you just, it, it's just right there. And inside that canister are those cookies. And you take that canister lid off, and you reach in there, and you grab that cookie, and hey, no one saw me. And then when your mom reenters the kitchen, hey, were you in that jar? No, I wasn't in that jar. Hey, you know what happens when people shrink away? They don't make eye contact. And what's interesting, I'm sorry? Oh, I thought somebody said something. In 1 John, um, in chapter 3, he says, we will see him just as he is. He says, we will be like him because we will see him. So this seeing Jesus is a big deal. And I don't know about you, but I'm like, man, I don't want to be ashamed. And I've never had anybody in my life that I know of that taught me this verse. So I was reading, I was like, man, Lord, there's a lot to consider here. If there's ever a reason to abide, you know what? When I see the Lord face to face and all his glory, I want to be able to talk. I want to shrink away. Well, I just want to show you a couple things. Time just goes by. This word that's used by John is used again in chapter 4 and verse 17. And in chapter 4, verse 17... If you back up to verse 16, he says, We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. And we've come to know that. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God. Again, these are fellowship things. And God abides in him. By this, love is perfected with us when we're abiding in him, so that we may have same word. Confidence, boldness. In the day of judgment. Oh, you remember where I started? Hey, hold on a second. John's connecting some pretty hefty things here. Right? We understand hefty, don't we? I like hefty trash bags. I don't like cheap trash bags. One of the worst jobs you could ever have is having a cheap trash bag, not a hefty trash bag, and the trash falling through the bag. Bleh, it's awful. This is hefty stuff. Listen to me. John is painting a picture for these guys who belong to the Lord, and this is the picture. You will see him face to face. How will that look? Will you speak or not? You know, people have painted over the years all these different, oh, man, this is what it's going to be like, and this is what it's going to be like. And, and I'm like, where are you getting that? Like, this is what it's going to be like. You said, that I can't wait to see the Lord. Well, I can't either. But I think, isn't there something, after we looked at this today, something to consider of how I'm going to be when I see him? I mean, you think about, brides 
and how much time they spend getting ready for the wedding. Man, they spend an inordinate amount of time in a room. And they paint themselves, and then they paint themselves again, and then they're taking off this and putting this on. It's like, are they ever coming out? And what are they doing? They're preparing themselves. Why? Because they can't wait to see that loving man, right? But it's not just about that loving man. Listen to me. The bride wants to be what? Presentable. Oh, she wants people to look. Right? Have you ever known a wedding to be about the groom? I mean, wow, he looked great today. He's just wearing some suit. It's the bride. Everybody talks about the bride. Did you know if you belong to the Lord, you're part of the bride? Well, two more things, I'll be done. I don't have time to do what I was going to do, so that'll be all right. Here's a chart. Got me to thinking about this. You see this here? That's for us. That's the Bema. That's for believers. We just might have to look at this next week. I mean, I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. Judgment seat of Christ. Because we need to consider these things. Well, this judgment here is not a judgment to condemnation. But this judgment here, it's a judgment to condemnation. And those that are at that judgment, their destiny is clear. But did you know that if you're in Christ today, so is yours. Hey, look, both judgments are about works. Okay? But I can tell you without any kind of reservation, you want to be at that one. You don't want to be at that one. And so if you're at that one, you can't say that you've never known about that one. I'll have to, we'll have to look at it next week. All right. I'm sorry. Time just gets away, and that's just what happens. So I want to tell you, I need to fast forward real quick. Don't pay any attention to that. But I do want you to pay attention to that. What happened? Oh, there we go. Look at what J. Dwight Pentecost says about this. And, and, and he's writing about this particular section. He says, The believer reveals his estimate of Jesus Christ by the degree to which he re reproduces Christ in his life. When one sees the submission of the Lord Jesus to his Father and then rebels, he reveals that he does not think much of Jesus Christ. Ugh. Well, if you, right, you'd be like, I'm going to kick J. Dwight Pentecost in the knees. I don't like that statement. Then here's the question, how will he find us when he appears? Are we ready to seem? So this abiding thing is absolutely critical. There was a gentleman visiting a certain school, and he said that he would give a prize to the student whose desk he found in the best order when he returned. One of the students said, but when will you return? That I cannot say, he replied. A little girl who had 
disorderly habit said that she would win the prize, her classmate said. She won't win that prize. They said, your desk is always a mess. The little girl responded, I am going to clean it the first day of every week. One of the students said to her, but what if he comes at the end of the week? She said, well, then I will clean it every morning. One of the students says, but suppose he comes at the end of the day. And for a brief moment, there was silence with the little girl. And then she replied, I know what I'll do. I'll just keep it clean. Listen to me. You know why John wrote these guys that instruction? He wanted them to keep it clean. Keep your life clean. Abide in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we cannot abide on our own. We have to have the help of the Holy Spirit. So every day I pray that we would get up with a, an intentional purpose of abiding. The Lord Jesus told his disciples to abide. And I pray that we would, as believers, if we are in Christ, abide oh we we praise you all day long father that we are declared righteous because of your son if we're in Christ but we confess that maybe we need to give a little more thought and I'll just start with myself to the way I will see my savior face to face I want to see him and start just talking but that's going to require lord that that I abide that I remain in fellowship. I certainly don't want to be one that shrinks away. So I know this is hard stuff to hear for all of us. It was hard for those readers. But John and ultimately you, Father, had their best in mind. So I pray that we would consider these things uh, by your spirit, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Today I'd like for us to close out with a song. Let's key in on that confidence part. My Redeemer is faithful and true. As I look back on the road of travel, I see so many times he's carried me through And if there's one thing that I've learned face to face My Redeemer is faithful and true My Redeemer is faithful and true and Everything he has said he will do and Every morning his mercies are new My Redeemer is faithful and true My heart rejoices when I read the promise 
There is a place that I'm preparing for you. I know someday I'll see my Lord face to face. My Redeemer is faithful and true. My Redeemer is faithful and true. Everything he has said he will do. And every morning his mercies are new. My Redeemer is faithful and true. And in every situation he has proved his love for me. When I lack the understanding, he gives more grace to me. My Redeemer is faithful and true. Everything he has said he will do. And every morning his mercies are new. a couple things before you leave today. Um, the shoe boxes, you have one more week to uh, fill those boxes. Do we have any boxes out there that are empty that need to be taken? We do. Okay, so there's a few out there that are empty that will need to be filled between now and, and next week. And so if you haven't had an opportunity to do that, please pick one up as you go. And that really helps. It's a tremendous ministry. And it's a worldwide ministry. Um, also want to make mention that we are continuing to pray for you, Vivian. Is she, she has to have, we're praying for Vivian, and we're praying for Norm and for Sean and for the family. And, and we will let you know, as uh, we know, they're going to make arrangements tomorrow for Peggy. So um, when I know something, then it will come out for you to know when the service is going to be. But please keep them in your prayers. And, and, and we can leave today knowing that... Uh, that Jay and, and that Peggy are with the Lord. And uh, we're thank, so, so thankful for that. So enjoy your day. And uh, if you're thinking of something good to eat, Mexican's always good. All right? <laughs> Y'all have a good day.